everyone. Welcome to the Healthcare Real Estate Advisor Podcast. I'm Andrew Dick, an attorney with Hall Render, the largest healthcare focused law firm in the country. Today, we are speaking with Connor Saversky, a REIT research analyst with Barenberg Capital Markets. Connor currently covers nearly all of the publicly traded healthcare REITs, which gives him a unique perspective on the healthcare real estate sector. We're going to talk about Connor's background, the different healthcare REITs that he covers and a variety of other healthcare real estate topics. Connor, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Connor, before we jump into the discussion, uh, talk about your role at Barenberg Capital Markets and uh, your background. Yeah, sure. So I was born and raised in New Jersey, town of Montclair. Um, Stayed in the state, went to Rutgers, uh, New Brunswick as an undergrad, got a degree in finance. And then, um, you know, I think in the fifth grade, I, I said I had wanted to be an investment banker, or ski racer. So I think I got pretty close to one of those goals. Um, <laughs> so uh, how, how did you end up at Barenberg Capital Markets? It's uh, it's an interesting niche covering healthcare REITs. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I took a bit of a back door to get into the securities business. Um, immediately after college, I was doing construction. There is a little ferry, New Jersey-based GC called Mobile Construction. We did all sorts of projects throughout the state, a lot of municipal work. Um, incredible learning experience to see how those boots work on the ground. Um, then I went to I moved to a property manager called Solstice Residential, New York City. I was on the special projects team there. We had uh, an excellent boss and mentor in some respects. His name was Ken Lapano. Uh, we did a whole a whole slew of projects in and around the borough. So local law eleven projects, roof replacements, facade replacements, the things like that. You know, so I got to see a lot of different parts of the city, whether that was from the roof of 220 Madison Ave or, or maybe on the trains going to the different boroughs. It was a very interesting experience as well. Around spring, summer 2018, I got a recommendation from a buddy I actually went to college with and took on the associate role in the real estate team at Barenberg Capital Markets. Uh, definitely a bit of a learning, learning curve coming from the construction side of things, but um, some aspects of training fell in the right direction. So it wasn't a very long turnaround before we were writing notes, building models and all the things like that. Um, it definitely helped that the lead analyst on the team, Nate Crossett, he's still there today, uh, extremely knowledgeable in remodeling and equity research in general. So he was a ton of help in, in my development as an analyst. And so how did you get the responsibility of covering healthcare REITs? Pretty narrow niche. So, so yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a pretty fast turnaround too. Um, Nate had started covering the data centers and then he moved on to the NetLease group. Um, he got he, he was up to capacity pretty quickly, and right around April 2018 or 2019, sorry, I think I had gotten the mandate to cover the healthcare name. So, you know, right after the first level of the CFA that June, I, I pretty much spent the entire summer working on the initiation report and uh, launched on the eight names September 2019. Got it. And for the listeners that aren't familiar with how. Um, firms like yours review REITs and provide recommendations. Uh, how, how does that work in, in layman's terms? So typically, I mean, from start to finish, um, if we're initiating on a company, you know, we'll read through all of the 10Ks, the 10Qs, the quarterly reports. We'll use the financials. We'll build out a, a financial model. Um, we use a four-pronged valuation system. So we have an AFFO multiple. We do a discounted cash flow with the AFFO out 10 years. We do a net asset valuation, kind of a, an appraisal of the portfolio at a point in time, and then a TEV to EBITDA multiple. Um, you know, through the writing, depending on our opinions of the maybe the intangible aspects of the company and conjunction with the valuation, we'll come up with our rating. And we do a traditional buy-sell hold at Barenberg Capital Markets. So a buy and sell would be a 15% upside or downside, respectively. 
and then the hold rating is anywhere in the middle. Got it. And right now you're covering most of the well-known healthcare REITs. I think when we spoke before, Connor, you said there's really only a, a couple that you don't cover. So what, what are the two or three that you don't cover? Yeah, so we, we cover pretty much all of the healthcare REITs that I, I would consider really co- coverable. I think DHC would be the last one. And then there's another name, SNR. Um, neither of those names have a lot of coverage. So those are those are ones that we've left off the table for now. Got it. So you're covering a pretty wide gamut of, you know, diversified healthcare REITs and then a number of pure play REITs that, for example, senior housing, medical office building, some of those pure play um, REITs. But you, you've got a lot to cover there. How many how many um, REITs are you really covering today? Is it 10 or 15? I mean, the healthcare REIT sector is pretty big. Uh, the healthcare REIT sector, we have 14 names in the healthcare REIT spe- uh, sector. And then four more names, the smaller cap industrial REITs, which is which is something that we're going to be working on going forward as well. So it's 18 in total at the moment. Got it. And so when you think about breaking down the sector, when 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 you're talking to um, others in the industry, how, how do you break it down? Um, I mean, I typically think of the big three that are diversified healthcare REITs, Ventas, Welltower, HealthPeak, and then there's all these other kind of niche players. I mean, is that the right way to think about it? Right. Um, it's an interesting question because I think when you when you look at the healthcare the healthcare REITs it, from from an outside perspective, you want to lump them all together, but they're really quite different, right? So, you know, maybe if I just run down the list here, you could start with the life sciences assets, laboratory space, biotech, pharma, uh, pharmaceutical development, and the real name there is ARE Alexandria. Um, and you also have P- Health Peak and Ventos, which are building out life science portfolios as well. Um, then you've got medical office buildings, so outpatient medical office buildings, um, surgery centers, things like that. HTA, HR, and DOC are really the dedicated names in that space. Um, Health Peak, Well Tower, and Ventas, they have some M- MOB portfolios as well. And then when you look at the smaller names, say GMRE and CHCT, they chase after some medical office buildings, probably smaller assets in secondary and tertiary markets where they're not really competing with those larger names. Um, of course, you have uh, skilled nursing and senior housing. Um, uh, important difference between the two of them. So skilled nursing is primarily funded by Medicare and Medi- uh, Medicare Medicaid, right? So the three main names in that subsector would be Omega, OHI, Sabra, and CTRE. And then LTC, NHI, they have SNF portfolios as well. Um, and then senior housing. Uh, again, uh, there's there's an element of diversity within senior housing in itself. So Welltower and Ventas are really the biggest names here. Uh, the interesting element in those portfolios or the operating portfolios where the REIT is the owner and the operator in effect. Um, Sabra has a operating portfolio as well. And then they also have the net lease portfolios as do Omega, OHI, CTRE, LTC, and NHI. You also have hospitals. The only true player in the hospital real estate space, at least in terms of, of the public REITs is MPW. Um, they take an, a unique approach here, an international approach to investing in hospital real estate. They've been growing very quickly over the past several uh, several years. A uh, very interesting name to keep track of. And then I think finally, if you, again, going back to the smaller cap names, more diversified assets, surgery centers, ambulatory care centers, um, some medical office buildings, dialysis clinics, things like that. And that's where you'll find GMRE and uh, CHCT. And th- these names are interesting. I mean, they're, they're looking at these secondary and tertiary markets um, they're finding higher yields than some of their larger peers do. 
And, um, you know, they're not really competing for those for those assets in primary markets. So they can find higher yields. They have a better spread versus their cost of capital. And they've been growing very quickly over the past several years as well. So, Connor, looking at all these kind of different healthcare REITs, uh, which ones do you find interesting right now in the world that we live in? Which sectors are you are you focused on or which maybe which REITs do you really like right now um, based on the, the, the interesting world that we live in? Right. So um, in the pandemic environment has definitely had a profound impact on healthcare in general and the healthcare real estate owners. So there are a lot of different dynamics at play here. I think I think the names we we like right now have, have an element of safety in them. So, you know, for example, Alexandria, ARE, um, they have very strong tenants, even though they're even though they are they can be grouped as office buildings. There's still um, there's still an element of human interaction within those facilities. So for, by and large, all of those facilities are open. ARE has done a very good job on leasing, growing the portfolio with a $1.3 to $1.6 billion development pipeline. That's one name we like a lot. Um, I do like the medical office buildings. Um, you know, their, their share price has been depressed somewhat this year, so their cost of capital is a little bit higher. It's harder for them to generate growth from external opportunities when they can only manage, say, a 50 to 100, point, um, 100 basis point spread against their AFFO. But they're very high quality facilities. People are still going out and getting elected procedures. And for the most part, these names have been collecting all of their rents through the entire year. So you can definitely see an element of resiliency um, for the medical office buildings. Again, that would be HTA, HR, and DOC. Um, You know, I like skilled nursing compared to discretionary senior housing. Um, I think a very interesting name within skilled nursing is OHI. Um, It's one of the larger, larger names in the space. They have a huge reach in terms of who their operator tenants are. Um, they have the best cost of capital among the skilled nursing names. So when the time is right, when it's prudent to do so, you know, I would expect these guys to go out, start acquiring assets again and generate some external growth. Um, you know, interestingly, and they, and they've been around a long time. We've talked yeah. about that before. Right, right. They have been, along, along, uh, been around for a long time. Um, you know, if I, if I remember correctly, I don't think they've had to cut the dividend in either 17 or 18 years. And the management team has been in place for a long time as well. So. They're very, they're very clear with their messaging. Um, you know, they've done a great job managing skilled nursing, which is a skilled nursing assets, which is a very tough business to be in, especially in the current environment. Um, and then one interesting takeaway there is that the the skilled nursing operators have been the beneficiaries of, of some degree of government support through the pandemic. So, you know, I, I, I would never want to say that they're completely out of the woods yet, but these are also portfolios that have been collecting, you know, high 90% of their contractual rents pretty much every month. Which is impressive. Yeah. Right. How do you look at a company like MPW? We haven't talked about hospitals, but you, you made a point that, look, they're international. They've been growing significantly. I find the company to be really interesting. Um, do. How do you react to it? Right. I mean, I, I agree with you completely there. Um, you know, they're, they're really the only name among the public REITs um, that are going after hospitals. And I think you can take into consideration that underwriting hospitals is is quite difficult. I mean, you know, from my understanding, you would have to go in there. You have to underwrite the patient flows to a certain degree. You have to you have to have a familiarity with the physician groups operating in the hospitals, geography as well, and also who are your competitors within those markets. So it's it's a very dynamic underwriting process, and I think MPW definitely has a a bit of a strategic advantage in being able to underwrite those assets. Um, you know, they've been growing very quickly over the over the past several years, uh, 2019, 2020 in particular. They've done multi billion dollars in acquisitions for both years. On an international scale as well, Australia, um, the UK, Switzerland, Germany, um, they're even going into Colombia now. So, you know, they definitely have a wide reach. Um, they're definitely approaching the real estate space in general from from a, a somewhat of a unique avenue. 
And I would expect them this year, I think they're going to continue to execute on external opportunities. And um, it, it's also worth noting, too, that hospitals, you, you can consider them by and large critical, critical pieces of healthcare infrastructure. So there's definitely an element of social and, and government support for, for those operators and those assets as well. Yeah, good point. What about diversified rates? So the diversified REITs, I mean, you can look at this in two ways. Maybe maybe we could say this is the big three that have MOB portfolios. They have their senior housing operating portfolios, the net lease portfolios. But, you know, to me, I like to look at GMRE and CHCT for these names. You know, they have a lot of smaller assets that they can pick up in these secondary, maybe tertiary markets throughout the United States. And, you know, through this business model, um, which I think is very valid, uh, particularly in the current environment where, where rates are coming down, um, you know, they can acquire at seven, eight, in some cases, nine, 10% cap rates. And, you know, the math just works out as such that GMRE and CHCT, I mean, they can generate 10% AFFO growth if they can continue to execute on these opportunities, um, notwithstanding any kind of tenant issues or something like that. But for the past couple of years, they, they've been pretty stable in that regard. So talk about the impact of COVID on the REIT industry. So there are, there are a lot of impacts in a lot of different places. I mean, I think maybe we could rewind to uh, late February, early March when, when the issue was really coming to a head when we, when we all started to get eyes on it. Um, you know, I think the most profound impacts have been in, in senior care businesses. So in terms of skilled nursing, I mean, you've seen the headlines all over the place. It's, it's a very dangerous situation to be one of those more frail patients um, in this current environment. So, so the impact has been felt there. Um, also in senior housing, you know, I think one of the uh, one of the developments that really impacted the real estate fundamentals is that as the virus rolled inland from the coastal cities, um, it would force the state and the local governments to kind of shut down admissions for these facilities. So, you know, there's always a background um, rate of attrition, as much as I hate to sound morbid, but when you combine that with admissions restrictions um, and also an element of fear involved in maybe enrolling into one of these facilities or maybe electing to go to one of these facilities as a senior citizen, um, the, the impact on the real estate fundamentals has not been good. So when we look at the Q4 NICMAP data dump that came out a couple of weeks back, you know, you see both skilled nursing and senior housing occupancy is down, you know, approximately 10% across the board. Obviously it varies in different markets, but you know, when you're underwriting, let's just say if you're underwriting a skilled nursing facility at 83% stabilized occupancy, and now you're down to 75%, I mean, that's a very profound difference in, in how, how the facility's cash flow profile looks. So where do you see the most opportunities, uh, Connor, for some of the healthcare REIT subsectors as, as hopefully over the next six to nine months, we'll, we'll see some recovery uh, as the vaccine's more widely distributed? Do you think that's going to help valuations? Are these REITs going to recover or is that already priced in? So I think I think um, for the time being, there, there are still some headwinds at play. I mean, we still see that um, we're still getting an element, but we're still seeing rising infection counts in a lot of locales. Um, vaccine distribution maybe hasn't gone as smoothly as, as we would have hoped thus far. So um, I think safety is somewhat the name of the game right now. And I think, you know, if you're looking for yield, you can hide out in some of the skilled nursing names such as OHI. Um, if you're looking for stability of your, of your tenant base, you can look at the metal, medical office building names. And if you're kind of looking for a combination of both, I think Alexandria is a very attractive option where you can get very strong tenants. You can also get internal and external growth, um, albeit a, a, at a bit of a premium valuation. You know, as we as we make it to the spring and summer months, I think I think the dynamics will change somewhat. 
Um, if we can start to see a trough in occupancy for senior housing and skilled nursing, if you can start to see these REITs get more comfortable getting back into the external environment, um, then we could start to see a reemergence of AFFO growth. And at the moment, th these REITs are trading at depressed valuations versus where they were before the pandemic. So I think there will be a time when when those options become very attractive again. But, you know, for now, uh, for safety's sake, I think I think you remain in a holding pattern for most of those names. Yeah, I have one question, Connor. That, that's a great response. One question that, that we hadn't talked about is, so, so Connor, what do you think about some of the private healthcare REITs that aren't publicly traded? Mm. Uh, do those compete with the public REITs? I mean, we're seeing more and more developers and investors kind of create their own funds or REITs. Do, do the investors, are they, are, are, is it one or the other? Are they looking for, how do you distinguish those private and public REITs? I mean, what are the investors chasing there? So, I mean, I think the reality of the situation is that any investor is going to be going after a high quality asset. So when we look in, when we look into our primary markets, whether it's a long-term thesis for senior housing or maybe a shorter term play for um, something more stable in the current environment, like a medical office building, you're going to have more eyes on those assets. So um, without digging into too much specifics where we see maybe private equity funds or these private funds getting involved in, in real estate, I think the you know intuitive answer is that you see some cap rate, you see some cap rate compression and, in one sense, that'll benefit the revaluations in terms of the NAV. In another sense, if their you know if their AFFO multiples aren't increasing to a level where they can generate accretion, uh, you know, based on their financing methods, then it makes it more difficult for them to grow. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword there. Great. Uh, so moving on to the end, we had a couple questions. Uh, what what advice would you give to someone who's just getting into the real estate business or the equity research business? You've you're still a relatively young guy. You've learned the business quickly. Um, what advice would you have for for someone who's starting out in the business? You know, I, it, it might sound a little cliche, but I think the best advice is just to, to talk to as many people as possible and, and kind of act like act like a sponge in that regard. Um, you know, in, in finance in general and equity research in general, there's so much to learn, whether it, whether it comes from valuation or the narratives you want to push or how stocks are traded or what kind of different funds or entities uh, look at the stock. So, I mean, every time that we have a client call or if I get on the phone with one of the corporates, you always try to take away a couple key points that help expand kind of your knowledge of, of you know, what we're studying and what we're looking at. And, you know, ultimately, you can you can pick up a lot from reading a 10K or a 10Q and we do that as well. But, you know, sometimes the best pieces of information will come from someone else or, or a message from someone else or maybe asking to have a more clear or more detailed explanation for one of the dynamics that's coming on, uh, coming into the market. And that could come from maybe one of our, one of our, um, uh, one of our salespeople at Berenberg. It could come from an IR contact in another company or maybe the funds come from. So, uh, so, you know, there are really, I think a, a ton of different ways to just keep learning about the dynamics of, of real estate or healthcare real estate specifically. Great. So, Connor, I know you're in the business of uh, publishing research on healthcare REITs. Where can folks find uh, more information about you and your company? Well, um, yeah, we you, we are operating. I mean, as a broker dealer, um, you know, the research is is part of um, it, it goes to our clients specifically. So, you know, it's not exactly publicly available to to anybody who wants it. Um, you know, I, I would definitely recommend if anybody wants to learn more about the healthcare REITs, you always go to the IR websites. Um, you know, you can always take up the supplementals or full of valuable information like that. 
Um, you know, in, ter- in terms of help with the industry, I mean, there's always LinkedIn. Uh, there's always the Berenberg website if, if someone wishes to have access to our research. But, um, you know, I can't exactly provide it myself like that. Sure. Well, Connor, thanks for, for being a guest on our podcast. Thanks to our listeners as well. We publish a newsletter called the Healthcare Real Estate Advisor. To be added to the list, please email me at uh, adick at allrender.com. 